When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where, again, we have got another Everton fixture to look forward to uh, right towards the end of the weekend. Well, starting next week, really. Everton will be travelling to the south coast to take on Brighton at 8 o'clock on Monday evening. But Carlo Ancelotti has previewed that match today as we're recording on Friday afternoon uh, and he's given some rather interesting injury updates we'll have to say and uh, he's talked about Jean-Philippe Gabamon as well and Josh King's contract situation uh, and of course Brighton themselves but uh, we'll get into all that uh, in a sec. Uh, I'm your host today Adam Jones joined today by Dave Prentice, Connor O'Neill and Gav Buckland uh, and Connor we'll start with you. You were a uh, tuned into Carlo Ancelotti's press conference along with me this afternoon and we had some injury up from Carlo Ancelotti and it struck me as if Everton might be in some sort of midfield dilemma going into Monday's game because Andre Gomez is out injured. Allen seems to be facing a late test. Obviously, we know that Abdelaide Decore won't, uh, won't be involved. So, who are Everton going to play in midfield? <laughs> I think that was the million-dollar dollar question, wasn't it? After, after the finish and... You kind of take stock of what Carlo, Carlo said, and it was kind of very much a, a thing of, well, if Alan doesn't make these leg checks, one day's team should look very interesting. Um, I, I think that the way he spoke about Alan, it didn't, it didn't sound too positive. I think if, if we're going to look into the kind of the, what he said, and it's always a difficult one, isn't it? I suppose because when he, when he does, when he do a press conference on a Friday afternoon, the game's until Monday night. There's probably you know three training sessions before they will they'll play, maybe a fourth if they train on the day of the game. So. We, it can be difficult to to give an actual injury update, but going off Carlos' tone, it didn't he didn't sound overly too positive. It was you know the the, the checks and wasn't too positive for us. I think ultimately you just got to hope and pray that Alan does get back fit. He does return, and if if he doesn't, it will make interest of you and potentially Gene McGavin might be thrown the end, and he might have no option but to start because Everton will be so short on numbers. Hmm. I mean, Preno, Alan, uh, it's, it's probably worth mentioning that Carlo Ancelotti said that Alan had trained normally this morning. So maybe there's a little bit of hope that he might be fit for this uh, for this game one day. But how important is he to this side? I think we really realised that against Crystal Palace, didn't he? He was a very noticeable absence. Uh, absolutely. In these current circumstances, you say he's absolutely vital. But... You know, he had a hamstring problem earlier in the season, and you know it, it always worries you. Uh, you know, hamstring injuries—the potential for recurrence is so high, which is why they won't take any chances. I mean, if he's trained normally this morning, that would suggest to me that he's okay. I mean, he'll have uh, made that public in the knowledge that all they're waiting on now is to see if there's any kind of reaction to that. If there isn't any reaction, well, you'd expect him to start. I mean, that's today as well, Friday. You know, the game is not until Monday night, so obviously he's got another couple of days between now and then. So it doesn't sound too bleak, that situation. Uh, Gabamin will probably be chomping at the bit, you know, so he would love to get involved. I mean, from the quotes 
uh, we saw from him um, earlier in the week, you know, he was very, very keen to be involved. Um, he told the manager he wanted to be involved against Crystal Palace, and he was. But it is asking an awful lot to throw him in from the start of the game so quickly. And you, you would feel for the lad if, you know, that much uh, responsibility and pressure was put on his shoulders. But yeah, we're all crossing our fingers and hoping that Alan comes through okay. Because Everton have been hit with injuries this season quite significantly. I know it seems to be a bit of a theme, you know, so with other teams, notably across the park, you know, people talking about the injury issues that they've spent. Everton almost seems to have like flown under the radar with the problems they've endured, but they have had a lot of problems this season. Not least the goalkeeper still missing again, you know, so um, on Monday night. And Robin Olsen, you know, so almost continuing, uh, who's had obviously his problems himself. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, a, a turbulent season in terms of fitness. We've just got to hope that, you know, we can get some kind of a recognisable midfield out there on Monday because it's a tough old game. Mm. I mean, Gav Preno's talking about the significant injuries that Everton have had this season. Uh, it feels almost that Allen's had a number of significant injuries, doesn't it? You know, he had, he had a bit of an issue earlier on in the season, didn't he? And then, you know, he obviously got that injury against Leicester in December as well. It, it, it feels like Everton haven't really had that many games where Alan's fully fit. Uh, yeah, well, not since uh, October probably. And when he has come back, he's, he's taken four or five games to get up to speed, hasn't he? Really? And then played a few games and, and broken down again. Yeah, it's, 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 um, he, he's actually a vital part of our team. Alan, I know we spoke, we were talking about Plays of the season last week, and I don't, don't recall anybody mentioned them. But I think when he's been fully fit and playing well, he's been, I think he's been outstanding for us, uh, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, if, if he did play on Monday, what formation would you play? Would you play Alan and Dave 4 3 3 with Alan Davis Sigurdsson? Mm. That, that, that's what you'd have to play, wouldn't you, really? Well, I think that's it. That's the that's the million dollar question because I think yeah, yeah. Before before the Palace, I was very much an advocate of playing three at the back and then seeing seeing where we could build from there. But I think after that Palace game, I would probably think to myself, it just doesn't just doesn't work. I think Everton seemed a little bit better with a four back. So maybe yeah, yeah. Alan, Alan Davis and Sigurdsson might be might be the best way to go about it. Even yeah, yeah. Mean pushing Hammers over to the right flank. Yeah, because you couldn't you couldn't play three four three. That starts at Palace and we play Al out Gomez with Alan. Because you have a midfield then of Alan Davies, um, Deanier and Coleman, wouldn't you really? Which well, is not it, ideal. It, it, uh, well, it makes that problem that we talked about earlier in the week a little yeah. worse. Isn't it about the balance? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I think um, you know you could play three if Alan wasn't fit. You could play three foot. Well, really, the, but the four in midfield that probably should have started on uh, on Monday and have Sigurdsson. In place of Gomez, um, so in some respects, it's it's if you think about it that way, it's not necessarily a massive problem. Uh, you, I think, if he we, as you say, there are that if he does come back, it's a bit of a bonus. I mean, it allows us to play four three three. Um, if he doesn't come back, we can still manage it if we bring Gilfie into the three four three. So we'll see. I mean. Going back on Preno's point, spot, spot on. I mean, I wouldn't want to see him rush back and then he breaks down. Mm. You know, again, when have you still got eight, eight, nine games left? You know, it's all important. It's rather leave him out for the game and sort of get him, you know, um, you know, get his fitness up a lot more than than risk him. Um, so, 
I'm not, I'm not sure for me whether it's that big a problem if the, because there are those two options available to us, to be honest with you. I think it's an important question that uh, Gav raises there, Connor. What what formation do you think Everton are going to play on Monday? Because you know it seemed the last few weeks and months in particular, Everton have been chopping and changing, and they might find a system that works well for a game, maybe two games, and then it just seems to fall apart again. And they're starting from square one, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's to see us. You know, I, I can't pass the the four a four at the back, maybe you know two holes. And, Two, you know, two wide man Carvalho up top, and maybe one in behind. Um, similar to what I think we've seen so far this season. The role I think is, you know, you could say it's worked quite well. You know, look at the result on this season; they they've been really, really good, and you know, the, the, the away form is far best than the home form. So I think it'll be certainly along them lines. I think I, I'm with you, as I think the, the three at the back. I, I was quite keen to see that coming to play a little bit before Crystal Palace, but then when you you know you see it and. It's it, it just doesn't work, and I don't I don't I think Carlo will just stick with the forward back, you know, two midfields, one in front, two wide men, and Calvert Lewin on top. I think he'll stick with where was best, and and he'll just hope that Everton, you know, can pull up another fine away day performance. And I think in some respects, maybe that 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 formation maybe shoots Everton a little bit more on the road in terms of playing a little bit more in a counter attack and, and being able to get in deeper and, and just defend deeper. I think. Everton have struggled for me this season when you know you really want to stick the game to someone. You know, you think of the home games against like Newcastle and, and Fulham where you're just crying out for someone to, to take the game by the scruff of the neck and drive everyone forward ten yards up the pitch. Just not happened. And I think away from home you kind of get away with playing a little bit more deeper, a little bit more defensive because you're away from home. So I think it'll be similar along them lines and what we've seen so far this season on the road. I can't see Carlo changing anything now and and, and maybe you know, start afresh. I think it'll be more of more of what we've seen so far this season. Hmm. And I suppose if that is the case, Preno and we're going to need a defensive midfielder. Uh, I, I don't think Gabamon, as much as Carlo Ancelotti's been talking him up, I don't think Gabamon's going to be ready to start a game, especially oh. not uh, from Monday onwards. But it does seem that Everton seem to have an embarrassment of riches at the minute at, at centre back. Do you push? You push one of them into the defensive midfield role uh, for the time being, you know, Godfrey, Ben, uh, Mason Holgate. No, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, a lot was made of Mason Holgate doing that role successfully at Old Trafford last season. I say successfully. Uh, was it Tom Davis he played alongside where he said yeah. he just basically man marked him the whole game and said I uh, didn't, didn't want to leave his side? Um, he got through it, but it's not something that you'd like to see other than in an absolute emergency. And again, Ben Godfrey, I mean, I think that's being hard on the lad, to be honest. I mean, yes, he can play there and he's played there for Norwich, but, you know, he's, he's a centre-back who on occasions can play full-back. And you don't want to mess with the lad's development, you know, even more by asking him to play in another completely unfamiliar position. Um, no, I'd like to see, you know, sort of square pegs in squirrels. Uh, that means, you know, sort of midfield. I've got, you know, middles available. Um it just depends on the, uh, the the fitness levels, I suppose, and whether we see like a change of formation or a change of system. It's a it's a head scratcher. But then again, how often have we said about those team Carlos lineups this season? Uh, again, we'll be sat there on Monday night waiting for the team sheet to drop, thinking, you know, so what's going to happen next? On this occasion, it's not really anything to do with um, with Carlos' tactical um, nuances, although we may be. Um, it's it's more likely to be just basically who's available. And it underlines again what a weird old season it's been. It's just, you know, apart from the fixtures being all over the place, apart from the, the real strange, surreal situation of no fans being inside and having a major effect on games, 
we've also you know been chopping and changing all season with lineups uh, because of injury issues it really has been like a, one of the weirdest seasons i can imagine in, in lots and lots of different ways let's hope it finishes really weirdly you suddenly it's like mad run and you know sort of quali- qualify for europe and even more who knows <laughs> The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Where do you stand on that debate then, Gav? You know, I think the last couple of weeks when I've seen the team team sheet drop and it's been it's eventually been a three at the back. There have been people on social media suggesting that maybe Holgate or Godfrey will be in a defensive midfield sort of role. Is that something that you'd you'd particularly want to see uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks while Gabamon finds his way to full fitness? Uh, now going back to Plano's points, horses for courses. I think um, Ben oh, Godfrey's been so- nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no, no, I just realised. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to think dreadful. Plow to carry this on, but I won't be. Uh, so I think um, I, I'm completely thrown here now. By the way, if you want any sense, obviously. Which you don't get anyway. Um, no, I Plano's I, I point. I mean, Godfrey's played in enough positions this year. To give him another task, hasn't he? So to rule him out. Uh, I, I'm not sure about Holgate. I think he's got enough to time to prove himself in the team at the moment, rather than swapping his position. Um, I do, do like the idea of four at the back um, with a three of Sigurdsson, Allen, and Davis. If if uh, Allen is fit, um, but no, um, I think. I would I just it just just doesn't work, especially this late in the season. I know I know that another change in tweak not necessarily tweaking of, of of the of the players, which I don't think will be warranted to be honest with you, lad. So a big no from me. I think that was a uh, decisive from the pair of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while we're on the subject of midfielders and injuries, etc., uh, it was a bit more of a positive update on Abdullah Decore. Today, from Carlo Ancelotti, he, uh, he said that Decore's recent scan uh, went pretty well and that he's due for another scan in three weeks, which will determine whether the midfielder will be able to return to training. Fingers crossed he will, and that will surely mean that he'll he'll play again before the end of the season, which will be a nice little boost for Everton, won't it? Absolutely, it will. And I think it was probably the one thing I think that has probably took a lot of Evertonians by surprise because I think when... When he picked up the injury in Carlo, you know, kind of said it'd be eight to ten weeks. But I think many of us, well, I think we all thought that was season over for the lads, wasn't it? It was, you know, what, what a blow, what a blow, and you know, that season over. And I think now the fact that Carlo's kind of give everyone a glimmer of hope, it, it's interesting. I think the the thing for me with, with what Carlo says was that he doesn't normally say stuff like that, so he must be pretty confident himself that he is going to make a turn. I think we look at you know previous cities gives you know Hamid Rodriguez and. And Alan, he's, he's kind of been quite quick to kind of play down the, the when they're going to return, you know, how long they're going to be out for, etc. He's kind of he's been always been keen, kind of not put, not put any time or, or not making concrete kind of concrete claims. And for him to sit there today and say, No, I think he'll be back, he'll back play before the end of the season is a massive boost for Everton. And you know, hopefully, if he does get back for the final few games of the season, there'll be there'll be games that we've still got something riding on and we still need to win. And, his presence should give us a massive boost in them games. It's just about us making sure that by the time he does return and possibly a couple of weeks' time, we're, we're still under a chance of Europe and we're still fighting fighting for a, a Europa League or possibly Champions League place. Mm. I mean, Gav, it's been four games already now without uh, Decore in the side and in all competitions, and I've, Everton haven't managed to win any of them 
that's a it's no coincidence really he's he's vital to this team oh yeah yeah i mean how we wish we could have him three years ago mm. you know when it was probably first muted um i think he's a, a tremendous player he gives us it gives us something that we haven't got which is leg and ability to get move with the ball up the pitch um you know 30 40 yards i don't think anybody else has got that um he's got a lot of endurance and when he's out we really miss him we had this conversation last week didn't we Ad? did you say about it being player of the year um mm-hmm. said, um yeah absolutely um yeah i i think um he is he is a really big miss for us because he just gives us something different he has so much to the team that we lose we're not not playing uh, and it will be great to see him back for the last couple of games. But again, I don't know how fit he's going to be. I mean, I think Carlos said he's out for three weeks and then maybe if he's lucky two weeks training, something like that. It sort of takes it to middle May, which is probably one or two games left. Um, would you want to risk him? The encouraging thing for me is it, it just brings his rehabilitation forward, doesn't it, for next season, thinking about next season. So that that's the main thing. Um, so, yeah, especially, especially, dare I say, when he gets a little bit older, these things take longer so yeah, that was really good news any games before the end of the season is a bonus but yeah we, we just miss him so much um, and we missed him certainly in the game on on, on Monday um, and miss him again on, on, on this Monday as well a uh, big fan of us uh, to be honest but yeah and as I say I wish we had him three years ago yeah, yeah. I mean Preno he's proven himself to be really integral part of Carlo Ancelotti's system over the course of this year so far, hasn't he? I think he's been one of uh, one of Everton's highest appearance makers under Carlo Ancelotti, I think, before he uh, before he got injured, like getting the most minutes under his belt. So I think maybe his absence has been the reason behind Everton maybe struggled to find the right shape and balance in midfield. Yeah, I mean he he brings so many qualities to that midfield. I mean it sounds a bit silly just to say energy. Because, uh, you know, every every player that plays in midfield should have energy. But he, he directs that energy in a very intense fashion. You know, he just doesn't run around like a headless chicken, you know. So he makes his runs purposefully, whether it's like tracking back at just the right moment or adding his weight, you know, sort of to the, uh, the front three, you know, when it matters. Um, he is a really intelligent footballer. And uh, we, we have missed that enormously. Uh, that's why he's played so consistently throughout the season. A, because he's been effective, but B, he's one of those players as well that seems to, obviously, you know, so we've, uh, well, probably jinxed him by saying that, uh, you know, so very rarely gets injured. But, you know, he doesn't, he, he plays, you know, week in, week out. And even earlier in the season, you know, when um, players were being rotated, he was one of the few uh, that was rotated uh, as frequently because he's got this incredible fitness levels. So when you can rely on a player like that, you know, he is normally like one of the first names on the team sheet. And he has, he's been a really, really, you know, inspired signing. And uh, it, I remember, the, remember how we all felt, you know, when he, uh, when he sustained the injury and we thought it was going to be for the end of the season. It was a really big crushing blow. And, you know, you can normally gauge by fans' reactions how important a player is by that. I mean, I, I won't name names, but think of some of the other players in the squad that maybe if they got injured, you think it would be the same level of disappointment, you know, so maybe not. There's only probably two or three others that you'd really, you know, miss with Charleston, perhaps. Um, you know, if one of those players was taken out from now till the end of the season, you know, you'd, you'd really, you know, sort of feel it. And we felt it when it happened to Decore. So, yeah, great signing, great positive, you know, so when he arrived, but equally underlines, you know, how important he's been to the squad. 
on it. What a big miss he's been. So, you know, I was very, very heartened uh, to see his tweet uh, in the last uh, half an hour or so. He tweeted about how he, you know, hopes to be back before the end of the season. You know, he's being positive, you know, so he's been quite bullish about his, his return. So, fingers crossed, we will see him again, you know, sooner rather than later. Mm. And Connor, well, we're talking about Everton's formation changes as well. It's not just the midfield that's been affected, it's been up front as well. And Carlo Ancelotti discussed Josh King and his chances, and he kind of hinted that the formation change had maybe uh, badly affected Josh King's chances at a uh, coming on and, and, and affecting games because he's asked to come on in replace of uh, either Richarlison or Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And he also discussed uh, Josh King's contract uh, news. Do you want to uh, do you want to enlighten us on, as to what Carlo Ancelotti said there? Well, it, 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 it was interesting because he, he basically said there's been no talks around Josh King staying beyond kind of his, when his contract's up at the end of this season and he wasn't looking to the future. And it was all kind of, he was very good, he was needing to get much aware. And it was quite telling, I think, as well, when he said about you know, the tactical approach and the tactical changes of, of meant that he's basically being forced to watch on from the sideline. And I don't know, I just kind of got the feeling from what Carlo was saying that maybe Josh King's not the plans moving moving forward and that the club will look to, look to go elsewhere. And I, I'm not not the one to call Carlo and Shotty a liar, but I find it hard to believe that him and Marcel are sitting there right now and not thinking about the future and not, and not thinking about the summer transfer and don't targets that they're going to they're going to ring for and they're going to, they're going to hope to sign it. I find it hard to believe that they're not sitting there already drawing up lists and, and, and looking at you know potential potential players to come in. So for him to say that and kind of play it down the way he did, I think that was a stark message to, to Josh King and, and probably Josh King's future Everton. And not to basically say he can't really play in the formation that I'm, I'm playing at the minute was also quite telling. And I think, I think the whole Josh King kind of experiment at Everton has been quite disappointing, hasn't it? Because I think we all kind of we all when really come in that be that kind of that figure who could maybe come off the bench for 20 minutes to go, you know, half an hour to go, and use his pace and stretch the game for Everton and give them that little bit of added impetus up front. But it's just not happened. And Carlo clearly doesn't, doesn't fancy him. Carlo clearly doesn't look clearly in Carlo's plans. And I think I think after today's kind of Carlo's thoughts today on the whole situation, I find it hard to believe that he'll be at Everton next season. I think Everton will be, he'll be looking to go well to get regular time and Everton for a much more improved kind of additional forward to come in and challenge Dominic Carver-Lewin and Richardson. Mm. Do you agree with that, Gav? I mean, if you were Josh King listening to Carlo Ancelotti's comments today, what would you what would you be thinking? Uh, I'll speak to my agents and say, um, <laughs> could be busy over the next month or two, you know. Uh, my experience, the, um, the, the greatest managers at all, shall we say, economical with the truth, has put a finer point on it. So, um, uh, you know, Carlo's in good company there. He's maybe perhaps not given the full picture. Um, yeah, so I, I, get, I get that. I mean, you've only got to see the minutes played and when he's played, really. Um, when he's been needed, he's he's not been on the pitch. You, you, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking from that that what Carlo's saying is I can't really play him in a 4-4-2 and that I can only really play him in a 4-3-3, but I've not had many options. Many opportunities to play that would be perhaps my reading of it, and perhaps not saying not through the middle. So yeah, it's a, we said when he was, you know, when the deal was done that it was sort of one that is a space of time, but no, no sort of longer commitment. It wasn't a you know wasn't a gamble as such um, because of because of that. 
And if it doesn't work out well, you know, that's just one of them things. But it's not particularly damaging, I'd say, uh, to us. Maybe more damaging to Josh King, to be or Joshua King, as he likes to be known as, it, I believe. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, so um, who knows, though? Who knows? There's still, still a, lot of t- a lot of games left. Um, so, you know, nearly a you know, course of the season. So you still might make a difference. But at this stage, you, 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 I'd be speaking to my agent, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, maybe looking for see what the options are during the summer. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think Av makes a good point about King there. I mean, my my view of the uh, of the move when it went through at the end of the January transfer window is that King will be coming in to be essentially a cup strike. You know, Ellis Sims had just on loan in January. Uh, obviously, Moise Keane had left on loan at the start of the season as well. So Everton looked quite short up front, but Josh King hasn't really had those kind of chances to come in and you know be a backup striker. So to Carl Schlotty's today what do you think Josh King needs to do to try and force his way into any sort of plans even coming off the bench I'm struggling with the whole Josh King situation to be honest I mean you're right when you say that you know we did shorten that position and we needed backup and you know Carlo has been consistently positive in his previous press conferences about Josh King's contribution on the training pitch and you know how he would get minutes and then doesn't give him any (laughs) he brings him on for like a couple of minutes at the end of a game. I think it was, was it half an hour against Fulham, was it? I think it's like well, just shy of half an hour, which is like the, the longest we've seen him uh, in any yeah. game. I might have got that game mixed up, but you know, I've seen very little of him, you know, at all. Out of time away to Chelsea, I, I seem to remember he come on. Maybe yeah, at least twenty odd minutes. Yeah, you know, game. But I mean, that you know, twenty odd minutes you know, away at Chelsea in a game that we're getting absolutely, you know, sort of highs in, and yeah, it's um. You get the impression reading between the lines and probably wrongly that Carlo doesn't really fancy him and makes you think, well, why has he brought him in in the first place if that's the case? Is it just literally a backup option in case anything happens to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and you know, therefore he has a ready-made replacement? Because, you know, the, the numbers stack up you know, in terms of his goals and his contributions you know, before he arrived at Everson. You know, he looked like a very, very promising signing. It's almost like, you know, Carlo's got him there just in case. And uh, that just in case situation hasn't really arisen. Therefore, you know, he's just sitting there kicking his heels on the bench and coming on at that most difficult periods of games, like for the last quarter of an hour, when you've got to try and, you know, sort of make an impact as best you can. And uh, it's, it's deeply frustrating for him, certainly. Maybe not for us watching, but it just gives him scratching your head a little bit. You know, so why, why do we bring him in in the first place if we're not going to use him at all? A weird one, very, very weird situation. But yeah, I, I can't see him being around, you know, so beyond the end of the season, I think he'll be looking elsewhere. And uh, as Gavin says, his agent's going to be very, very busy. I think Celtic's already been mentioned, hasn't it, with uh, Eddie Howe, the, the Celtic manager who isn't even in position yet, who's uh, already been linked about a, a move for him. That's the way the uh, the modern media works. But there we go. Don't think you don't think you'd find many fans who would be too too gutted if that uh, if that move <laughs> did happen in the summer, if we're honest. But let's let's look ahead to Monday night's game. Everton travelling all the way down to the south coast to face Brighton and Connor. Are you just happy to see an away game at this point? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we all are, aren't we? I think it's like the double the, the double kind of boost in, in, in some respects in the sense of it's it's frustrating watching home games when you can't go and you can't be there. You're forced to sit at home and kick every ball and 
think you know I'd, I'd be there now etc just simply how bad the, the second thing is simply how bad the form has been how bad we've been the home this season and it's really sovereign game and like I said earlier I think Everton have just got to hope that they can carry on and play the, the way they have done away from home and pick up really you no know, three points because I think they, you know, this game is massive isn't it because if Everton don't pick up don't pick up all three points this weekend then it does leave the Europa League hopes hanging hang on by a thread and they probably then can't afford to, to drop any more points before the, the season's out. I think you know Carlo says he, need, he needs to lose it six from six from nine to, to to confirm Europa League and now we've you know we we've got eight games and we still need to win six of them if you're going off his reckoning. So it's a massive massive game. We've just got to hope that Everton, you know, play the way they have done the road this season and and, and, and you know Frank Brighton and all the six points with the drop zone, but there'll be no pushover in the same, you know, mugs and I've seen a bit of them over the last couple of weeks and I've been quite impressed. They've they, they looked well, they look lively and it'll be another tough game. But I think Everton have just, they've just got to be on it. They've got to, and I think ultimately they've got to take the chances. They, they just can't keep creating the chances that they have for week on week and, and, and miss them. And on Monday was, but there's been other games in the last in the last couple of weeks where we, we've missed a half of the chances. It just it can't continue because ultimately, you know, goals win your games. If you don't score goals, you win games. And that's been Everton's problem over the last few weeks. So I think it's vitally important that not only do we turn up and actually, you know, I don't know from the first whistle, but when we do get chances, we take them because we just can't keep missing the chances that we have been over the last couple of weeks. Mm. I mean, Gav, Everton have been much better away from home this season. They've only won two home games all season so far uh, in the Premier League. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's the most evident statements a person could make? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to bring a Devon Lock analogy in there, I think, to be fair, to carry on. To ca- yeah, well, I, I, I'm Connor on this, by the way. I've, every time I watch Brighton, I'm always really impressed with them. Um, I know they've spent a few bob, um, but you know when you talk about clubs having an identity and the manager shaping the way the team is playing and, and coaching them. You know, you really see that with Brighton and I know it's sort of widely held view that they've what they've lacked is a is a striker to convert their territorial uh advantage in possession stats into more goals. So um they have got weaknesses. It's yeah, well it's, it's a Monday night, isn't it? Uh, for the start. Repeat of last week. Uh, I think a lot could go wrong. Really, um, I think Brighton's poor form at home sort of goes against them, and I think it was it was poor last year as well, wasn't it? After Christmas, um, so it's it's a long-standing thing. But that's what I mean. said they were away. Um, I think there's a lot could go wrong. To be honest with you, it's it's not a given. It's not an easy fixture, um, and we're going to have to be on our metal and convert. You know, convert our chance a lot more than you know. A lot more ruthlessly than what we did on Monday, yeah. To be honest with you, so it's 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 hackneyed phrase, but it's it's a tough game, isn't it? I think mm. in that context, yeah. I think Preno thoughts about both. I think over the last few weeks, whenever watch Brighton, you know they you know they control the ball really well, but I think they're really good at you know breaking teams down, playing through the lines, creating chances in that sort of way. But you know, especially against Manchester United, thought in the first half last week. I thought they should have killed that game in those first 45 minutes and it has been 
finishing those chances that's let them down. So as Connor says, it's vital that Everton are clinical at the other end of the pitch, isn't it, to make sure that they can that they punish Brighton. Yeah, it's like a, a carbon copy of our last couple of performances, isn't it? Um, except, like everybody, I, I always, I'm always impressed when I watch Brighton play. You know, the potables, what do you call it? It is, you know, really good, attractive, easy on the ice stuff. Uh, it amazes me when I look at the league table and I see them where they are. And I'm thinking, how can a team capable of playing such good quality football be in a position like that? And it is, as you say, because of a uh, poor finishing. Was it the game? So as West Brom was, it were absolute put them to the cleaners and you know just missed chances galore. Very very similar to our game on Monday night actually, and you know so you know paid the penalty for it. So yeah, we've got to be more clinical and more ruthless. And James, that has been one of our you know positives this season. Up until recent games, you know we had this really good ratio of uh, goals to chances created. It just seems to have fallen apart quite spectacularly in, in the last game or two. Uh, you know, you can't really just turn on and off like a switch. Because do strong confidence, which is why strikers do have little gluts of goal scoring spells. You know, you see a striker in form like Richarlison earlier in the last month, you know, he gets like suddenly four or five games in a row where he scores goals because his confidence is absolutely flying and he's buzzing. And then equally you get little, you know, sort of droughts uh, where maybe you know strikers are snatching at opportunities and they're overthinking it. And it worries me a little bit. You know, obviously, Carlo was asked at the press conference today about uh, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And he was very bullish. He said, look, if we create chances, they will score against Brighton. You know, he was absolutely unequivocal. But the fact that he's talking about it, you know, means that, you know, it's obviously been spoken about on the training ground as well. Does that seeds of doubt in the other players' minds? You've got to be psychologically strong. You've got to just, like, you know, have the, uh, the strength of character to overcome that. The greatest strikers in the world, you know, I'm thinking of your Gary Linekers and your, you know, so you know your Bob Latchwoods, your Ian Rushes. They they miss chances, that they miss howlers, but they put themselves in the same position time and time again, and more often than not, you know, converted the next one. So likewise, you know, Calvert Lewin and Richarlison have to keep doing that uh, on Monday nights. Richarlison, you get the impression he will do. Uh, you know, I, I like what I see him all the time. You know, he's he's got you know a real edge to him. You know, so a real you know, a bit of character. And you get the impression that, you know, his confidence won't have taken a knock despite the misses, you know, that he, uh, he enjoyed on Monday nights. Calvert Lewin, don't know, you know, so he went on social media, didn't he? And he actually, you know, apologised publicly and said that, you know, he's going to work hard to put it right. But we've seen less evidence, you know, of him, you know, being as resolutely confident as maybe Richarlison is. But, you know, it's up to them on the night. Only they can put it right. We absolutely need to take chances and we create them this time because it's a game that we need. How often do we say this? It's a game that we need to win. We needed to win Monday, for God's sake, and we didn't. Uh, but, you know, uh, we need to win now. It's <laughs> so simple as that. Otherwise, you know, we are fading down into the realms of mid-table mediocrity, which nobody thought we'd be saying like a month ago. Mm. Yet another must-win game on the horizon. So let's let's see if our panel think Everton are going to win. Predictions time. Connor O'Neill, are ever going to win against Brighton on Monday night? Yes, 2-1. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love the confidence there. If what's the point? Well, exactly, exactly. Gav, do you share you know, I, Yeah, no, I don't actually. I, you know what? And I think Connor's put... Con- <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, 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 I would love... <laughs> That's probably the quickest reaction to a prediction we've had all season. That, by the way, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, normally, I normally sort of talk round in circles for half an hour, and then say one all. 
Um, so I'm going to talk around in circles for five seconds and say, on all, I just fancy us winning Monday, you know. I just really can't. I think it'll be tough, especially if we're carrying a few injuries. I think Brighton are decent, and I think we may struggle uh, with, uh, with their movements and, and style, and um, I think it's going to be a big ask. So I'm going to say a peasant one all purely because if we win, I will be so much happier. Ooh. Right. One win, one Prano. Wow. Um... I was going to follow on to be honest. I was going to go for a two and away win again, just purely based on how contrary Everton Football Club can be. Uh, just when you think that you know, so we're heading in the wrong direction, we suddenly revive and you know, so sort of put together a really good performance. I know it's not a particularly scientific approach predictions, um, and then I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe a draw as well. I thought, can I break a trend and actually predict a defeat this season? I'm not going to. Because, uh, you know, I went into the Anfield derby feeling resolutely negative. And look what happened that so, Yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 with Connor. So, two two ones. So, it's up to you to go for the defeat now, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for a defeat. I don't think any of us are necessarily scientific, by the way, with these predictions. That's not... Oh, a, <laughs> yeah, it's not a way I would use to drive this panel, to be honest. But I think if we were scientific, we'd be oh, rich and we wouldn't... <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I would definitely monetize my predictions at this point. But, um, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go even more positive, to be honest, and I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. So, oh. now, and they're going to keep a clean shot. She thinks I've struggled to score uh, throughout this season because if Everton don't win this game and I've travelled all the way to Brighton, <laughs> I'm not happy for you. So it's, I'm, I'm going with my heart more than my head on this one. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. But anyway, that's As it. A Brighton's that's a lovely place. You'll have a nice time anyway, regardless yeah. of the football. Well, it's my <laughs> first time there. So and it's just yeah. the day that the pubs are opening up again, isn't it? So I'm hoping uh-huh. that at some point there'll be some sort of late night pub that's still open and me and Sam can both can both head, head down there and have a nice little celebratory pint. That's uh, how but you can. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> that, won't, that won't stop us after a 2-0 win. Oh, all right. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for joining me, lads. And uh, thank you very much for listening. As I said, Sam Carroll will both be heading down to Brighton on Monday evening to see if Everton can uh, get their first win uh, in three matches, I think it is, uh, three or four matches uh, in the Premier League. So, fingers crossed that Everton will be able to to secure that. You'll be able to follow all of the live updates with us on the Liverpool Echo. Uh, but you have been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.